Oh, and here we are in Heritage Hall, studio number one in Southern California. I'm your host, Yogi Roth. Welcome back to the Season of Sam podcast, hosted by Sam Darnold, starting quarterback at USC and myself. And this week, I'm fired up for our show. We got Cameron Smith, captain linebacker, as well as Sam interviewing Justin Turner of the LA Dodgers. This one's going to be a blast. Check it out. We got a unique element to the podcast this week. Well, usually I get to interview a special guest, but Sam, we got your roommate, teammate, linebacker, Captain Cameron Smith. Cameron, have you listened to the podcast yet? I have not. <laughs> um, okay. I... Hey, it's all right. It's all, <laughs> I don't know it's all right. Your roommates, so you'll handle that on your own back yeah. in your guys' uh, apartment. about it enough to where I don't need to really watch it. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Um, you get asked about your roommate all the yeah. time. I'm, yeah. I'm curious. What are some of the questions you get asked about Cameron? Yeah. Uh, That's a great question. You never asked him about that? Yeah. Some of the questions I get asked about Cam is just because uh, his demeanor on the field is always so serious and so gritty because he's a linebacker and he has to be like that. And everyone wants to know what he's like off the field just because um, he shows so much grit and so much energy and passion for the game. But um, I just, you know, my common response to what everyone asks me what he's like off the field is just he's a normal guy. <laughs> and he's fun to hang out with and um yeah he can get serious and um but um no it's it's he's awesome to be around and that's that's always my just normal response so i love that I, i'm yep. curious for for you cameron um uh, you're, you're playing linebacker you guys just playing this iconic game right. against Tex. is there a mo- moment in the game where you look to the sideline you're like Dang, that, that's Matthew McConaughey kicking it over there. There's Vince Young. There's so-and-so. Does, does that ever happen for players? Because I think as fans or observers, we just kind of wonder if it goes through your mind at all. Well, I didn't. I actually didn't see either of those guys for Texas. But right when um, the captains walked out of the through the through the um, through the drapes or whatever, some tapped me on the shoulder, and I turned around and hand out. It's Ray Maluga, and I was like. I was like, he shook my hand. I was like, sure. I'm giving, I mean, I'm giving you a hug. Like, like bigger than Matthew you know, McConaughey. Like, to me, I mean, I yeah. love Matthew McConaughey. We always talk about how great of an actor yeah. he is. And, but seeing Ray Maluga was just like, blew my mind. And I was like, wow, like, to have you here, it means a lot. And I like ran out and my mind switched. And I was like, just in a Ray Maluga. Here we go. So, <laughs> But I mean, seeing, seeing Matt Lyon out there. And I mean, it, I right when I walked out and I saw their white on white uniforms, it was like, it's real. Time again. It's real. Mm. So I'm curious if, if you guys feel this because you know th- there was a great piece at uscgeorgia.com about how you how young you guys were when SC played Texas, and that was my first year on the staff, and it was such a big deal. And since then, for fans and alums, this game has been circled as the redemption. All of those elements. Did you feel that after the game about how big it was among Trojans Nation, or was it just the next game? You're getting everybody's best. Let's move on to the next week. Um, yeah, a little bit. I think it was, I mean, looking back on it now, uh, just the way, I think what what really hit me is when Deontay scored that touchdown and went over to Matt Leiner and shook <laughs> his hand. I think that was, that was one of the coolest touchdown celebrations anyone could have ever come up with. But, uh, no, I think that, watching the highlight of that kind of, because I didn't notice it when he scored. I didn't know that he did that. But watching the highlight, it was kind of like, okay, that's kind of, that's kind of dope. <laughs> a little redemption, and uh, it was awesome to just be able to beat that team that we saw, you know, 11 or 12 years ago. And uh, to be able to get that done, it, it means a lot to me and a lot of SC fans, obviously. Kim, you were a huge recruit 
bigger recruit probably than, than your roommate, Sam, which is by, you know, <laughs> rankings. Um, a young man who does not have a scholarship makes the play to win the game. Mm. What's it like when you guys watch a, a walk-on kicker make a play like that for a team full of the biggest names in the recruiting world, and here's a guy who maybe some kids in your, ta- in your team didn't even know his name prior to preseason. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what, what that's like from your vantage point. And speaking on that, I think Coach Helton does a really good job of, of, of not creating that walk-on scholarship yeah, Everyone's involved. Every, he, yeah. I mean, the way he cares so much about everyone in their own individual like self is it kind of for the rest of the team it shows us you know that these guys are our brothers it's not a walk-on no man this guy doesn't have a scholarship you know he's going out there the guy's out there to do his job and he I mean he came in so clutch and um he's stepped up huge I mean since he walked in here and he's only gotten better and better and going out there and, and I was just so pumped for him to make make a kick like that because it was such a confidence booster and so big for our team and um I think it just kind of I mean I've been in a game where it's kind of changed my life like that and for him it's like his life has changed and mm-hmm. he will be remembered but it's I mean that's his he's played three games here and he's only gonna get better so I was just pumped for him as a brother yeah, you just got the chills when you said that right yeah. I mean change your life and that's yeah. a pretty powerful statement um, how has Sam changed your life <laughs> I mean, is he, does he help way. with groceries? Does he, is there oh, any way where he's no, helping no, change no, your day to day life? No, I'm just I'm in the background, just no, chilling. You're yeah. just chilling. Uh, <laughs> no, I help my life in groceries. <laughs> What's it like? Uh, you guys get asked this all the time about what it's like to live with each other, right? What it's like to have each other's roommates. But I, I've played, right? And you live with your roommates. And there are these moments when you see each other at the darkest of times and the brightest of times. Curious how you have helped one another. So I'd like to ask each of you to give that response, how he's helped you the most at maybe some of your lowest times, right. and how you've even supported him and maybe humbled him at maybe some of his highest times. Right. Right. Well, uh, I mean, I just, I mean, going back to the first week, I, guess, I think Western Michigan just, uh, I, personally, I was just kind of down the way I played and uh, really expect, expected more of myself, honestly. And um, and then Cam was one of the first guys to come and talk to me and just say, hey, like, you're going to be fine. Like, this team's going to be fine. We're 1-0. Move on to the next week. Like, um, and I think he sent me a uh, he sent me a screenshot of Tom Brady's stats, and he, like, struggled in the first game as well. And he's like, see, like, everyone struggles. And I think it's stuff like that that just really helps me out. And um, we're, so luck- we're so lucky to have friends like that that are just there whenever we need them, um, even when we don't ask for help. I love that. Yeah, I um, more so with my roommate. Roommate, um, we have a conversation pretty much every night. Like, yeah. our lives are so cool right now. Yeah. It's like, and not not to like rub it out there, but it's like we go to the greatest university in the world, and I mean, we live this insane life with all of our best friends in, this, in the same house, and you know, we're winning games, and that's fun, and and we're kind of bringing everybody up, and and it's and we're we're trying to, we're, I mean, we've built such a great culture here, and it's, all, I mean. We wouldn't have have had it because I mean without Sam. So, um, but I you know I think we we help each other outside of football a lot more because um, we're both. I mean we we deal with the same things with girlfriends like kind of long distance deal and we kind of talk about that. And we we are like more of a we we're, we're able to relate a little bit more in in, in that aspect and and it's kind of a 
neither of us try and put foot, like pressure on each other football wise. Like that's not yeah. really a conversation. We talk about you know what, what we can do better as leaders to help this team, and and you know it's like we. I mean, we're both true competitors, and we love play football, and that's and it's like we don't. We're both very um, self motivated, and we don't need to pump up each other. It's kind of just like calm each other down. Let's, we can do this better. How do we do this better? And, and just all just picking up the team and where we can move forward. And I think we do a good job of each talking about that. I love that. You know, I'm so excited for our next guest. Um, you know, every week we kind of try to curate this masterclass where you guys get to go learn from somebody who's, who's done it, who's been there. And Justin Turner, you want to talk about living a unique life. His path is awesome. I'm, I'm curious where you guys and what you want to glean from this conversation. If there's, if there's one thing you want to pull from this. Uh, I mean, for me, I'm just, I kind of usually take the conversation where I think it's headed. So, uh, I don't necessarily come in looking to, I guess, drive the conversation somewhere, but, um, if it were to steer one way, I think it would be just, uh, taking advantage of your opportunities because he, uh, I mean, just like Chase McGrath, right? In the last seconds there, I mean, just coming in. Uh, coming in clutch when you most need to, even even if it is batting practice, you know. Uh, he was recognized by a Dodgers scout or a bench coach or whoever it was, and uh, and from then on he, you know, just tore it up in the MLB, um, fixed his swing a little bit, fixed his stance, and just um, moved on from there. And I think that's that's the coolest thing for me is just to understand. Uh, what he's dealt with as a professional athlete and, you know, his path getting there. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, because I've grown up a Giants fan my entire oh. life. I love him <laughs> watching Barry Bonds, you know, follow his thing. And, and that was like a big, big, um, big time for my dad and I just to watch his games. And, and so I, you know, I don't, not to say like I, I didn't ever watch the Dodgers. I didn't care about the Dodgers until I came in here and met Sam and how much he talked about them and their season this year and so I think it's more I want to talk about how 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 he kind of how he came into the scene and how he's you know absolutely lit it up this year and at the same time how it's it's he's not you know there are other guys out there that are getting way more publicity and, and like a love from the media and whatever and I mean you could look at his numbers and he's got some of the best numbers yeah. in the game but it's like to me I see a team guy mm. I see a guy who doesn't really care about you can, I mean, you can see whoever's hitting 500-foot home runs, but he's like, I'm still batting this, and I'm batting this. I don't know his exact numbers, but it's like, I just see more of a true guy who just wants to go out there and win, and he's hitting well and playing great defense for his team. And so I, I, I'd like to talk more about that and, and just, because he's not, he's like, he's not in the news being negative or whatever. It's, it's all just about the Dodgers, and you know, so. I think the the love could be more around him, but it's not, and he doesn't really. He seems like it's kind of like Sam, where he doesn't really even want it. It's like I'm just here to to win games and do my job. Just keep going. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, let's talk to the man doing his job. Let's bring in Justin Turner, the LA Dodgers. Justin, for what we're trying to do here is create really a master class for Sam and for Cameron now, where they get to be around some really special performers who have done amazing things. They try to glean into their lives and add into their resume and repertoire to help them be a better teammate, a better student athlete, and a better person. And with your story and your path, really couldn't think of a better individual to talk to. And, and I want to kick it off by just asking you how you feel about the word adversity. And when faced with it, do you have a process in terms of how you've dealt with it in the past? 
Yeah, I think uh, I think adversity is kind of the most important thing in sports. You know, um, it's the last thing. Well, I mean, I, I guess if everything goes perfect, uh, you know, everything's easy. You win every game. You put up monster numbers yourself. But uh, I think, as we all know, uh, the higher up you get, uh, the tougher things become, and and the more adversity you go through along your path to get to the ultimate goal for me to play in the major leagues, uh, for you guys to go play in the NFL, uh, the more adversity that you've dealt with in your life uh, just better prepares you to handle it uh, in the future. And when things aren't going your way and when things get tough, uh, you know, how do you react to that? How do you handle it? Do you, uh, do you, you know, stare it right back in the face and, and figure out a way to, to handle it or, uh, do you, you know, put your head down and sulk? And, and I've seen all kinds of guys who obviously handle it in different ways. And I think, uh, you know, the most successful ones are the ones that look adversity right in the face. And, and uh, no matter how good or bad it looks, they try to figure out a way to, to get it done and to overcome that adversity. Thanks, Justin, for coming on. This is uh, Sam Darnold. I'm, I'm a huge fan, huge Dodger fan, and uh, just really appreciate your time. Um, I guess my question would be... Uh, I'm a huge fan, too, by the way. I <laughs> uh, appreciate it. Aren't that we mean, all? That means a all? lot. Thank you so much. I just wanted to ask, because high school kids, you know, after their senior year playing baseball, if they get drafted, they're faced with a huge decision uh, on whether or not they want to they wanna move on to the MLB or if they want to just go the college route and play college ball and then see if they get drafted a little bit higher and... Uh, just kind of wanted you to talk about that process a little bit um, and what adversity you might have dealt with in that process. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough decision for guys. And, um, you know, fortunately for me, I wasn't good enough in high school yet to, to be drafted, to, to um, have an opportunity to go professional. So uh, the decision was very easy for me. I uh, got recruited by only one school, and that was Cal State Fullerton. And... Uh, really didn't have a decision to make. I, it was one school wanted me and and no MLB opportunity, so uh, or professional opportunity. Um, but it is a tough decision for high school kids because you know everyone grows up and dreams and wants to play professionally and wants to play in the major leagues. And uh, I don't think um, I don't think guys realize high school kids realize. Uh, the hardships that are in front of them if they do sign that professional contract. It's not, uh, it's not like in the NFL or the NBA, when you sign pro, you, you know, you either make the, the NFL team or you make the NBA team or you don't, you have a minor league system that you have to go through. Most teams have seven levels, um, in the minor leagues that you have to work your way up and climb that ladder. So, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of guys that are in front of you that you have to work your way up and work your way past. And as a high school kid, they, they really slow play you too. They uh, take their time with you. They want to develop you. Um, so you, you're spending, you know, those three or four years that, that you could be in college uh, maturing and developing You're you're spending in, uh, either the Gulf Coast League or the Arizona League, where you know it's 115 degrees in Arizona for our guys, uh, and you're out there every day, um, and it, and it gets pretty tedious out there. So uh, I think uh, for high school kids to be more aware 
of, you know, what they're going to have to go through, what they're going to have to endure, the adversity of, um, you know, being out there every day, uh, even when you feel like you're better than the guys you're with, um, you know, that doesn't matter to most organizations. They they want you to spend a, and pitch a certain number of innings at every level, or they want you to get a certain number of at-bats at every level, regardless of how good or bad you're doing, before they can even consider moving you to the next level. So, mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a tough decision. I'm I'm glad I went the college route. I'm glad I got to spend four years at Cal State Fullerton, uh, developing um, not only physically but mentally as a baseball player. And I think that really gave me a huge head start when I finally did uh, sign pro with a, with the Cincinnati Reds in '06. I went to you know short season. I was playing against a bunch of high school kids uh, who were in their second or third year. And I was coming out of four years of Cal State Fullerton, who we had just gone to the College World Series three of the four years. And, um, you know, myself and, and Danny Dorn, who was a teammate of mine, both got drafted and went and played together. And it literally, we felt like college kids playing against high school kids. So, I mean, imagine you guys, you know, going down the road and playing Garfield High School right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh... – that's pretty crazy to think about, but um, so just going off of that, uh, the College World Series. How, what are maybe your the best memories you have from that? Because I mean, I I can only imagine how special that experience might have been. Yeah, it's incredible, and uh, you know, it's it's in a different venue now. Rosenblatt's not there anymore, but um, that place was was incredible. The uh, the street was lined up with all these houses that um, people can rent. So uh, Cal State Florissant, we actually rented a house right across the street from the stadium where all of our fans would go. They'd, they'd uh, have a tailgate at the house. Uh, we'd play our game. Uh, game would get over. The whole team would go to the house with all of our fans, and they'd, have, they'd cook dinner for us. They'd barbecue for us, and we'd eat after the game. Uh, that was pretty special. But um, in 2004, when we won it, we beat Texas. Um, and it wasn't just that we beat Texas, but earlier in the year we had gone to Texas and played them in a two game series and they kicked the crap out of us. I mean, we didn't even have a chance. Uh, I think we were 15 and 16, uh, before we started our, uh, conference play going into the big West. Uh, everyone was saying that we were going to be the worst team in Cal State Fullerton history. Uh, the way we had started, and we ended up going 19 and uh, two in in conference, made the playoffs, uh, got to the World Series. Uh, we faced, uh, I think, two limit elimination games in in the postseason. Got to the World Series, went through our bracket, and then we meet up with Texas again, who had already, you know, kind of had their way with us earlier in the year, and uh, we ended up sweeping them for the for the championship which was uh pretty satisfying the way you know our season started and the way they you know pretty much put it to us and we didn't think we had a chance and you know they hadn't lost a game in the postseason so uh that was pretty special just kind of want to transition into the mlb and your experience there uh, what was it like because i i did some research i know you kind of changed your batting stance a little bit and that really helped you what was what was that process like and who might have who did you go to for advice on that, and how big of an impact did that really make on your uh, career? 
Yeah, so in 2013, I was with the Mets, and um, they had signed Marlon Byrd as a free agent. And he had met a hitting guy named Doug Latta uh, a year and a half before that. And Doug had kind of talked to him about changing the path of his swing, getting a little bit more loft in his swing, and trying to get the ball in the air more. And and Marlon Byrd is a big, strong guy, so uh, he he, – started making these adjustments to a swing and he started, I mean, hitting homers, 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 homers. And when he came to us in 2013, um, you know, I had already hit with a leg kick, but I had a kind of a different thought process. I tried to stay back. I tried to hit the ball to right field, um, let the ball travel as far as I could, let it get deep. Um, you know, like I had been taught my whole life and, you know, Marlon started getting in my ear every day. Hey, what are you doing? Like, get the ball in the air more. You need to, you need to try to catch the ball further out in front so you can drive the ball more. And finally, uh, the last month of the season, uh, you know, I, I wasn't playing very much anyway. I was just a bench guy, utility guy. Uh, you know, he got to me and I, I started messing with my swing and trying to get more loft and, and batting practice, working on pulling balls in the air. And I think the last month of the season, I hit like 330 with a couple homers and I had no homers through the first five months of the season. So um, I got a small taste of it. Uh, I liked it. It felt good. I felt like I could, uh, you know, do some damage in the batter's box. I could drive some balls now where before I never really felt like I was capable of driving pitches. So when I went home that off season, um, Doug Latta is actually in Northridge and I was living in LA. So uh, I called Marlon and I said, Hey, I want, I want to figure this out. I want to get better at this. And he said, all right, let's go. And so five days a week that off season, I was in the cage with Marlon and Doug Latta uh, trying to completely restructure my swing and, um, you know, ended up working out pretty good. Uh, (laughs) It's a scary, it's a scary thing to, to change, completely change everything that you've done your whole life. When I, I was already in the, I was already in the major leagues, but, you know, I wasn't really satisfied with the way I was swinging the bat, but it's, it is scary to completely change everything, uh, you know, that got you to where you are. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I believed in what they were talking about. It made sense to me. And, um, you know, I, I haven't looked back ever since. Hey, Justin, it's, uh, it's Cameron Smith. Um, uh, thanks again for coming on here. Uh, I've become a huge fan of you and, and, um, since, uh, since I've been got, getting to watch more games with Sam and and uh, and your guys' incredible season, so I just wanted to go back a little bit more in the draft process and back in college and and seeing you were drafted in the twenty ninth round and and it seems like you've always you know hit hit the crap out of the ball and, and have always kind of you know in each bat and, and in, in games and and in overall in the season. So I just want to talk a little bit more about like the critiquing process and and what you think that the scouts wanted to see more of you or, or why you think you fell from that round? Because, it, I mean, it seems like you've always produced. And so I just want to, you know, discuss a little bit more because I didn't get to really see you. I didn't get to see you play at Fullerton, I didn't, you know, coming out of college and stuff. So where, where do you think you've developed and where like, where do you think that some of the scouts might have missed what you did well that that you kind of always either either knew about it or, or developed into, into being such a great baseball player? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, you know, I think I was always – probably a little bit behind physically. Um, my junior year of high school, I was 5'9", 130 pounds. Um, you know, I didn't have a great arm. I obviously didn't hit for a lot of power. 
Um, you know, I could play. I was a scrappy little defender. I could put good at bats together, put the ball in play. Um, you know, wasn't all that fast. I ran okay, but not fast. So, you know, when you when you're looking at a scout's grading card, nothing really jumped off at you about me. I think, um, like I said earlier, I said, uh, you know, I got lucky. I went to Cal State Fullerton. I got to, you know, develop physically and mentally. And um, the mental part of it, I think, was the most important thing. I, I got to play for a guy named George Horton. He's actually up at uh, Oregon now. And he's one of the greatest baseball minds uh, I've ever been around. And his attention to detail and how he goes about teaching uh, every single part of the game, every aspect of the game uh, is unbelievable. And so that mental side of the game, I think, bought me some time for the physical stuff to kind of catch up, if that makes sense. So um, my junior year, definitely disappointed. Uh, I got drafted in the 29th round by the Yankees. Uh, I had a pretty good year, not a great year, but a pretty good year. And um, you know, had higher expectations, and it didn't work out. I ended up going to play summer ball in the Cape Cod League uh, with my buddy that I mentioned earlier, Danny Dorn. He had gotten drafted in the 32nd round by the Tampa Bay Rays. And, uh, you know, some scouts from the Yankees came out to the Cape. They were talking to me. They were trying to get me to sign. Um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I called my buddy Danny. I said, hey, man, what's going on? What are you going to do? Uh, and he told me, he goes, I want to go back to Fullerton. I want to try to win another World Series. So um, that was enough for me uh, to turn the Yankees down. I said, okay, I'm in. I'm going back with you. Uh, let's go try to make it to the World Series again, win another championship. And, uh, you know, that was probably the best decision I ever made. Went back, had a better year my senior year. We went to the World Series. We ended up losing to North Carolina before the finals, but uh, ended up getting taken in the seventh round by the Reds. So, um, yeah, the, the the mental side, developing the mental side, I think allowed for me to catch up to everyone else physically um, and, and be able to play the game the right way and be in the right spots and make the right decisions, although they're a lot easier decisions than uh, you guys are making on a football field. Uh, you still got to know, you know, anticipate and know what's going to happen, where the ball's supposed to go, where other players on the field are supposed to be. I think if, as a baseball player, if you know where everyone on the field is supposed to be, it makes you a better baseball player and, and able to help your guys, your teammates out and, and know where to be. So, um, you know, that was definitely probably the biggest part of of developing and getting a chance, that opportunity to, to go into pro ball. Um, just to build off that, speaking of developing, you know, in, in like the, your knowledge of baseball, um, we have a buddy um, that kind of always asks questions, doesn't really know much about baseball. And Sam, play, Sam and I played a lot of baseball growing up. And, and But obviously it's different when you get to that next level and in terms of preparation. How much do you – how much – I mean, obviously it's a little bit different at third base than, like, let's say as a catcher or a pitcher and you're, like, studying the batters. But how much do you prepare for, like – a, pit, a pitcher's um, like what his nods are and like what you and what you can pick off of him or like a, a hitter and where he likes to hit. How much preparation goes into to what to studying an opponent before a game? Yeah, that another great question. Um, so defensively, we actually I think uh, we've been one of the best teams in MLB as far as positioning and where to stand and and catching ground balls that are hit. And a lot of credit to that goes to uh, Chris Woodward. Our um, infield coach and Juan Castro, he's our assistant infield coach. And uh, 
they have numbers for everything nowadays. They know mm-hmm. uh, the percentages on where guys hit balls down the third baseline, percentages on where guys hit balls in the in the five six hole, percentages on when guys hit balls up the middle. So they uh, have really taken the positioning to a whole other level. If you look in the dugout before the game, uh, you'll see all four infielders standing at some point going up to, to Woody and looking in a folder and he's got all the information for every guy. Hey, we're going to play this guy straight up. We're going to play this guy one step to the pole. We're going to play this guy uh, two steps off the line and so on. And then to take that even further, um, depending on who's pitching that night, uh, he's got information that says, hey, if Alex Wood's pitching and they have a right-handed hitter up, I want you to play two steps off the, or two steps oppo, so way off the line. He's like, but if you see him that he's going to throw a slider or a breaking ball, he's like, I'm going to need you to cheat towards the line because he does hook breaking balls towards the line. So a lot of times if you're watching the game and, and you see me, I'll be jumping around as the pitch is getting thrown based on what pitch is being thrown and where guys are most likely to hit the ball. So uh, the information is, is crazy and, and super advanced and, um, all of our guys have bought into it, and I think that's why we're we're having such a good year defensively on the infield at uh, being in the right place when guys hit ground balls. So, um, And then on the flip side, you know, when you're facing a pitcher, um, you know, I have an app on my phone right now that I can go on, and it'll play every at-bat I've ever had against the pitcher we're facing that night. So I'll go in there. Um, like last night on the bus ride home, we're facing Aaron Nola tonight. So I went and looked, and I wasn't sure if I'd ever faced him. And I was right, I haven't faced him before. So uh, there's another folder, and it just has him facing right-handed hitters for his last two starts. So I went on to that, clipped it, opened it up. I watched his last two starts on the bus ride home from the from the field last night and just got a better sense of him. And then when I go into the field today, uh, I'll watch film on him again. Um, there's uh, some information on there as far as um, the counts and percentages. Like uh, he's a 75% fastball in an OO count, and then he's a 45% fastball in an O2 count. So um, a lot of times you can go off uh, some tendencies that way. Uh, we also have a guy on our team named Chase Hutley who is one of the best guys uh, I've ever been around as far as uh, knowing the game and tendencies and tips and stuff like that. So we'll get with him and talk to him and see if he figures anything out or if he has any information for us. And then after that, it's about going out there and, and just competing and, and Try not to let that guy beat you every time. Yeah. Get some word from the old, old buck, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, um, they call him the silver fox. <laughs> <laughs> um, Justin, it's it's obvious that baseball is such a mental game, and um, it's so cool to kind of just dive into that with you, but it's also very physical as well, and you guys play a lot of games. Uh, 162, it's, it's a grind. Uh, and we did our homework here. <laughs> I know you're a uh, kinesiology major. Uh, so, yeah, and so I just, uh, kind of wanted to dive into, I guess, your routine, uh, after a game, maybe before a game, um, how that works and how you kind of manage 162 ball games and maybe even if you want to go into rest and how a manager, uh, manages you guys in terms of how much you rest and when he plays other players. 
Yeah, it is It is tough. And then you throw in, uh, I think, 32 games in spring training on top of that. So you're looking at 194 games uh, on the year. And um, it's every day. It's a grind. It's uh, it, it can get brutal at times. I think August and September are the two hardest months to get through because uh, it's kind of the end of the rope. But you're also at the same time, you know, one, trying to get into the playoffs. And then, two, you have to – kind of reboot and and re-energize yourself for the playoffs um but uh dave roberts does a really good job communicating with us and making sure everything's good uh he'll he'll come in and he'll say hey i want to get you a day on this road trip what are you thinking um do you you know you want the day game on thursday uh, before we head back home do you want the day before that and I think uh, the the most important thing is to be honest with them and let him know if if you're barking a little bit and you need a day. Uh, I, you know, obviously in, in baseball with with so many games, it's it's not a big deal. You you take a day off, you get a breather, you kind of reset, and then and then get back to it. Um, and at the same time, it's hard to do. No one wants to go in there and say, "Hey, you know, Dave, I don't want to play today. I I, I want to take a day off." Uh, you know, you want to be out there every single day. You want to contribute. You want to help the team win. But to be able to step back, uh, look at the big picture, uh, and and be honest with yourself, and 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 you know, tell the manager how you really feel. I think is is important. And then, you know, the our training staff is is really really good at what they do. Um, I spend a lot of time in there every day, uh, getting worked on and making sure everything uh, feels good. My legs, my hamstrings, um, you know, I've had a history of hamstring injuries throughout my career. So uh, I got to make sure I, I put my time in, in the training room and, and get the things done in there that I need to have done to, to be able to stay on the field. And um, I can't tell you how many hours I, I actually spend in there. It's way more than I'm proud of, to be honest with you, but um <laughs> uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do to to get ready to play. And uh, it, it, you try to make it part of your routine, um, you know, to go through every single day. And you go in, you go in the training room, you start, you know, you get your treatment and you get work done and you go down to the weight room, you do your movement prep stuff, uh, all your injury prevention stuff that, that you got to do down there. And then you, you know, work your way to the on the field stuff. So uh, it makes for a long day, but it, as soon as you make it a routine and you make it a part of your everyday thing, I think it becomes easier to do. And when you understand that it's to help you stay on the field, um, it becomes easier. Uh, but I've seen throughout my career, so many guys basically go through the bare minimum. They show up, they have fun, they joke around, whatever they go out and play and then they get hurt. They, do a hamstring, they hurt a knee, they do something, and now they have to get used to doing all this stuff uh, to get them back on the field. And once they do come back, they got a whole routine that they got to go through uh, to try to prevent it from happening again. So I try to get to our young guys and, and make sure that they, you know, at least get some stuff done, even if there is no issues, like get some stuff done, some injury prevention stuff done now. So uh, you don't even have to worry about it because uh, once it happens and you have to, you know, you have to start going through all this, you know, PT stuff. uh, It gets kind of overwhelming uh, how long you have to, how much time you have to spend in there. And 
uh, if you can get ahead of it and, and get it done before you get hurt, I think that that's important. I wish I would have, I wish I would have done that in, in my career. Kind of switching, switching tones there. Um, something that we've faced as a team is kind of a culture change and, and, and kind of having everyone buy in and, 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 um, and, and I, know, I think we've changed a lot in, in our leadership as well. So uh, watching you guys play, it seems like you guys have so much fun together. Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe your experience with um, in the in the major league clubhouse? Because obviously it's a little bit different in, 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 in as a professional than it is in college in terms of like obviously how much you you know bond with your teammates and stuff. And and um, so just talk. Can you talk a little bit more about you know your experience with in a major league clubhouse? Um, and like your differences between you know a couple other different clubs and maybe the Dodgers and, and what's kind of going on with you guys right now and how like how well you guys have bonded or so. So yeah, it, it's a different feeling in our clubhouse this year. Uh, I think baseball clubhouses in general are a little bit more uh, laid back and and easy going. Uh, if you walk in, uh, you know, an hour before the game, uh, you know, there's guys playing music. There's guys playing video games there's guys playing cards uh, uh i know when the when the kings came in after they won the stanley cup and the kings come come up and, and watch games all the time uh and they come in the clubhouse they're kind of blown away that there's music on there's tvs on guys are playing cards they're like wait what are you guys doing don't you get you guys have a game in an hour like we're not allowed to look at it we're not allowed to look at anyone we can't talk to anyone no music nothing so uh, it's definitely a, a looser culture. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I've never been in a football locker room anywhere before or after a game, so I'm not sure how you guys do it. But uh, we have a great group of guys, uh, unbelievable mix of uh, veterans and younger guys. And I think the difference this year is uh, it's more of like a business-like mentality. Like guys show up, guys know what they have to do, guys – do it and and there's no uh, little clicks on the side there's no bickering there's no complaining everyone just understands what their role is they know that if they're not playing at some point during the game there's a good chance they're going to pinch hit or get in the game and have an opportunity to help us win uh in that way and and guys have accepted it and and Doc's done an unbelievable job of talking to everyone and keeping the communication line open and um, letting people know uh, exactly what their role is, is, what they expect of him, Um, you know, when when you're going to be used, when you're not going to be used, and and guys are on board. Uh, And it obviously it helps when you're having success and you're winning. It helps to to have guys on board. But, um, you know, he's been – he set the tone in our clubhouse ever since he took the job last year with high energy, positivity, uh, communication, and and I think those three things right there, uh, you know, kind of set a culture, a positive culture, uh, a, a clubhouse culture that that can have success. Um, uh, just building off that as well, how much how much do you guys kind of feed off each other? Because you know Sam and I will watch a game and it's like oh someone hit a home run, but it's like it never seems like one person hits a home run on our team. It's like there's always someone like Yasiel will hit two. You'll hit two. It's like every, there's like there's like five or six home runs in a game. It's like it seems like you guys build so like build so much off each other and like your energy. And it's like when you have, I mean, when, obviously when you have live bats, you guys all kind of come alive together and they're scoring runs and everyone gets picked up. But is that, I mean, is that just energy from the club or just is that just all you guys' mindsets to go out there and, and do your thing and and everyone just builds off of that? Yeah, I think uh, I think good at bats and and. 
hitting is contagious. Uh, when you see a guy go up there and take a great at bat and get a good result, uh, I think everyone kind of feeds off that, like you said. And uh, we, I know we do have guys that have little, uh, that play little side games with each other, like total bases or uh, home runs. Uh, who can, who can, who can have the most total bases that night? So. Uh, there are little side games going on uh, between us to try to have some, I guess, ex- external motivation, which, I mean, I don't think you really need, but it is fun to, you know, compete against your teammate and, and try to be more productive than him uh, on a nightly basis. And I think that kind of helps elevate, uh, you know, the production level. But uh, it, it, it's fun when, when guys are hitting balls over the fence. It's exciting. Guys, uh, it's you know, everyone gets pumped up, and then you know you want to you want to be a part of that. You want to be the guy coming in slapping hands, not the guy standing there slapping someone else's mm-hmm. hands. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we do feed off each other. I think uh, everyone in our lineup, uh, one through nine, has the ability to hit the ball over the fence, uh, which is exciting. Everyone has the ability to put together a really good at bat, a tough at bat on a pitcher. Uh, which makes our lineup really tough to pitch to, and and that's exciting and. Uh, you know, there's so many small things uh, that you can see throughout in a bat or throughout in a game that, you know, we're getting excited about in the dugout that, um, you know, most people probably don't. If you watch Clayton Kershaw taking a bat, it's it's pretty special. Uh, you know, he, he has a big leg kick and, and he swings as hard as he can before he gets two strikes. But if you watch him with two strikes, he spreads out and he literally um, – just is up there looking like he's playing like ping pong or something, just trying to slap balls, foul balls off. Uh, I don't know how many 10 pitch at bats he's had this year. And uh, those little things like that, I think help spark uh, the offense and, and create uh, more production. Justin, we're, we're here in Los Angeles. You obviously play for the LA Dodgers. You guys are having a magical season. These two young men are hoping to have a magical one. Before we let you go, if you could give one final thought about when the pressure gets big because it's only going to mount for you guys as you're in this pennant race. Hopefully for these guys, it mounts as well as they continue with zero bye weeks throughout the rest of the season. How, when the lights do get really bright, how do you deal with it? Is it a smile and an embrace? Is it talking to somebody? How do you adjust if it does get difficult um, in a big city, in a big media market like this with a ton of expectations? Yeah, embrace the moment, 100%. Be in the moment, embrace it. Um, you know, don't the the moment you start thinking about the result, uh, that's usually when things get sideways. So, if you can, you know, embrace those hundred thousand fans uh, on their feet going crazy in the fourth quarter, uh, be in the moment, stay positive. Uh, that's going to give you the best chance for success. As soon as you start thinking about a result, uh, good or bad, usually that's that's the thing that kind of slides you off the tracks to success if that makes sense to you so um embrace it have fun with it be whoever you are in that moment uh don't worry about uh you know what people think uh if you get excited you get fired up and you celebrate that's what you do if you're the cool calm guy who you know just wants to you know play it cool then that's what you do but whatever it is you know embrace it embrace who you are embrace who you are in that moment Excellent. Well, uh, we appreciate the time. you got a ton of knowledge. I uh, hope to have you back, man, and we'll definitely be cheering for you here as you guys finish off the season and kick off the postseason. Absolutely, and I'll see you guys out a few games, I'm sure. So, 
Absolutely. Keep going, guys. Thanks Absolutely. for coming. Thanks, Justin. So, I'm curious, fellas, what's it like to learn from a guy who's clearly on a huge stage, having an incredible year, signed a huge contract, um, give you some advice around his preparation through a long season, you guys clearly have a long one, through how he deals with the bright lights that come with the job, as well as just how he takes care of the mental side of his preparation. Yeah, I think uh, just the way that he just, if it just seems like he embraces everything, he just has fun with everything, and I think um, when you start worrying about what people think, how many wins and losses you have, you lose, like you just said, you lose sight of what really matters. And, you know, I like to remind the guys, if we if we try to go on a big drive in the last two minutes, we're like, guys, just have fun. It's, it's football. It's just a game. Like, yeah, it's serious. Yeah, it's a business-like mentality, but at the same time, you just want to have fun. And I think he preached that, you know, the whole time. And um, I'm excited for the Dodgers this year. I think they're going to have a great year, um, great postseason. So um, it was just awesome to hear what he had to say. And Cam, clearly you've transformed from a Giants fan to a Dodgers fan <laughs> in the last 30 minutes. Um, yeah, actually, I had a lot of fun talking to him. I, I mean, I, I'm a, I was a little bit more intrigued on, you know, what it's like as a baseball player because it's, you know, um, like Tyler and I or Sam and I will always talk about, like, man, you know, when we're, it's, it's hot outside and we're hitting people, it's like, man, I wish I was just taking BP out there. You know, it's like, <laughs> and I always wanted to know, like, what happens in a, in a, in a clubhouse and cu stuff like that. But it was <coughs> something I'll, I'll take away with it, it, from this is, is when he started talking about how don't worry about what, you know, if, if you're a guy who celebrates and, and gets excited and, and then be that guy. Just and that's because that's someone that's, that I've, you know, I've, as I've been here more, I've, I've tried to find myself more. And I think I've done a better job with that of just being me. And so it's it's kind of, it's cool for him to just kind of almost like reassure that thought. Like if, you know, it's it's hard with the social media today because you see a lot of what happens or what you did in that game. And it's like, it's kind of like listening to yourself talk. It's like, I don't really like that. I don't like listening to myself yeah. talk. But like seeing yourself on social media, it's like, it's like if you're that guy, be that guy. Right. Like if you're a calm, cool, collect guy and you, and you don't, you don't get to, like to celebrate like he like the other day you said you know I love seeing like Baker Mayfield celebrate I just don't know how to do it I don't I don't know how to get like rowdy rowdy up but it's yeah. like that's you and so I think yeah. that's what something I'll take away with it like dude go out there and be you isn't it interesting you know if you think back all the conversations we've had Sam from starting with Trent to Clay to Colin Cowherd um, a variety of all these conversations we've had on the season of Sam podcast it seems as though all of the people have had to go through their journey and kind of go through a low to a degree. But I'm curious about it in this conversation specifically with Justin and maybe even some of the previous ones. It's kind of like you're finding out answers to the test. So maybe you don't have to hit that low and you say, okay, let me embrace being me before I have to deal with the struggle of how do I deal with the spotlight or this type of moment? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, just um, just how he deals with everything. It just, I said it before, I mean, he just has fun. And I think that's like the biggest thing that people can lose sight of. And um, learned a lot of stuff from Justin. I mean, um, pulled a lot of little things out of there. And how he prepares, I think, um, really surprised me, honestly. I didn't know baseball players, you know, prepared like they do. Um, they watch every single at-bat of a pitcher they might go up against tonight and um, or they're in their next game. So uh, it's awesome to just see how or listen to how hard he works and how much he really cares about the game. And... Um, it was just such a cool conversation. I think, I mean, it's my first time on here, but I think with Sam, um, 
you, you talked about like you know make sure I, I stay myself before I hit that fall well I, I mean I just would comment like I don't think you're ever gonna get anybody but Sam like through all of this dude's never changed so it's like you know you could have so many guys putting words into his ear and what in like advice but it's like in the end it's just gonna be like it's never gonna change I that's I mean as I've seen it grow, growing up with I mean growing through this process with him it's like he's the same kid that he was when he was a redshirt and didn't didn't play and was downstairs working out. It's like I just see him like the same person every day. Love that. Yeah, I mean, it's it just kind of goes back to what we've always been talking about, kind of just how I was raised, I guess, and um, Cam was also raised this way. It's just as long as you have fun, if you're working hard and you're you think that you're doing the right things every single day, then you're never really... <clears throat> I mean, yeah, you might go through ups and downs, but you're never going to be unhappy, and you'll always have those people. And we have a great friend group and great family, obviously. Um, if you just keep those people close and uh, continue to have fun doing what you're doing, then uh, I don't think you're ever going to really go through a struggle. Love that. Well, I want to live in your guys' house. Sounds like there's some <laughs> real fun conversations happening. All right, we appreciate you coming. Hey, feel free, Cam, anytime you want to come down here in Heritage Hall. This is a blast. Beautiful. Sam, we'll keep the thing moving, as we always do in the Season of Sam podcast. For Cameron Smith, Sam Darnold, Amelia Roth, we'll see you next week. For our team, it is not possible without the magical work of the executive producer, Tim Teslone and Paul Goldberg. Of course, our producer, Katie Ryan, head of social media, Jordan Moore. Man of all things, Rich Rodriguez. I'm your host, Yogi Roth. We'll talk to you next time.